while they placed around the disk of the earth, which they probably regarded as of no great width, nations enjoying the peculiar favor of the gods and blessed with happiness and longevity. The dawn, the sun, and the moon were supposed to rise out of the ocean on the eastern side and to drive through the air, giving light to gods and men. The stars also, except those forming the wane or bear and others near them, rose out of and sank into the stream of ocean. There the sun god embarked in a winged boat, which conveyed him round by the northern part of the earth back to his place of rising in the east. Milton alludes to this in his Comus. Now the gilded car of day, his golden axle doth allay in the steep Atlantic stream, and the slope sun, his upward beam shoots against the dusky pole, pacing towards the other goal of his chamber in the east. The abode of the gods was on the summit of Mount Olympus in Thessaly. A gate of clouds, kept by the goddesses named the Seasons, opened to permit the passage of the celestials to earth and to receive them on their return. The gods had their separate dwellings, but all, when summoned, repaired to the palace of Jupiter, as did also those deities whose usual abode was the earth, the waters, or the underworld. It was also in the great hall of the palace of the Olympian king that the gods feasted each day on ambrosia and nectar, their food and drink, the latter being handed round by the lovely goddess Hebe. Here they conversed of the affairs of heaven and earth, and as they quaffed their nectar, Apollo, the god of music, delighted them with the tones of his lyre, to which the muses sang in responsive strains. When the sun was set, the gods retired to sleep in their respective dwellings. The following lines from the Odyssey will show how Homer conceived of Olympus. So saying, Minerva, goddess azure-eyed, rose to Olympus, the reputed seat eternal of the gods, which never storms disturb, rains drench, or snow invades, but calm the expanse, and cloudless shines with purest day. There the inhabitants divine rejoice forever. Cooper The robes and other parts of the dress of the goddesses were woven by Minerva and the Graces, and everything of a more solid nature was formed of the various metals. Vulcan was architect, smith, armorer, chariot builder, and artist of all work in Olympus. He built of brass the houses of the gods. He made for them the golden shoes with which they trod the air or the water, and moved from place to place with the speed of the wind, or even of thought. He also shod with brass the celestial steeds, which whirled the chariots of the gods through the air or along the surface of the sea. He was able to bestow on his workmanship self-motion, so that the tripods, chairs and tables, could move of themselves in and out of the celestial hall. He even endowed with intelligence the golden handmaidens whom he made to wait on himself. Jupiter, or Jove, parenthesis, Zeus, though called the father of gods and men, had himself a beginning. Note, the names included in parentheses are the Greek, the others being the Roman or Latin names. End note. Saturn, parenthesis, Cronus, was his father, and Rhea, parenthesis, Ops, his mother, 
Saturn and Rhea were of the race of Titans, who were the children of Earth and Heaven, which sprang from chaos, of which we shall give a further account in our next chapter. There is another cosmogony, or account of the creation, according to which Earth, Erebus, and Love were the first of beings. Love, parenthesis Eros, issued from the egg of night, which floated on chaos. By his arrows and torch he pierced and vivified all things, producing life and joy. Saturn and Rhea were not the only titans. There were others, whose names were Oceanus, Hyperion, Iapetus, and Ophion, males, and Themis, Mnemosyne, Eurynome, females. They are spoken of as the elder gods, whose dominion was afterwards transferred to others. Saturn yielded to Jupiter.